0: The ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
1: This is the China Sports Insider Podcast. I am Haig. Ballion. And I am with Mark Dreyer. He is the China Sports Insider and the author of Sporting Superpower. And, and, love it. And the, yeah, there's, there's, he there's, is there anything you don't do, Mark? He is the author of Sporting Superpower, and insider's view on China's quest to be the best. And Mark, this could be the last time we're together in a room for a while. Yes, What's... yes. I got some travel coming up and
2: um, getting back into the Chinese mainland, as uh, many people listening to this, I'm sure, know, is. Not impossible, but incredibly difficult and also incredibly expensive, depending on where you come from. So I'm um, trying to reunite with my family that I've been apart from for for, uh, unfortunately a bit too long, Uh, and uh, yeah, so... We'll, uh, we'll keep the show going for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Um, no but, question uh, about that, yeah. Yeah, we'll um, just be staring deep into your eyes uh, <laughs> extra, uh, uh, even more than usual today, Haig, because I might not have to. <laughs> the next time could be uh, by the internet.
1: Yeah, with the magic of the internet, we will keep this going. But yeah, absolutely. We'll miss you here in Beijing. But uh, yeah, definitely. it's. I'm excited for you that you get to go yeah. see your family again. Today, a lot of news to get to. We're going to talk about some news that broke this week that's going to hit China's Olympic medal count in the uh, Summer Games for sure. We're going to get to some Eileen Gu news, and we're going to talk about another postponement for the World University Games. And you got some exclusive news on that, I believe. And then after that, we're going to talk to Cameron Dicker. This is our first NFL player. And You know what? He grew up here in China. Very excited to talk to Cameron. Great that that he's going to come on the show. Totally. So, but first, let's get to our news. Okay, the World University Games. What is going on? So, this is not a
2: hugely high-profile event, but in terms of size, it's a massive, massive multi-sport event. And uh, it was originally set for Chengdu in the summer of 2021. So if you look on Twitter, you know, that is the handle, uh, Chengdu2021. Now, of course, here we are at 2022, it still hasn't happened. So last year, a lot of people, a lot of analysts uh, such as ourselves, but a lot of people were looking at the Chengdu summer games uh, to see how China was going to handle the Olympics, the Winter Olympics. Then it got postponed until 2022. Um, now a lot of people have been looking at uh, the postponed Games for this. It's supposed to go from uh, June to July this summer. And it's thousands and thousands of university athletes from all over the world coming in. So basically kind of like a university version of the Olympics. A lot of people looking to see how China going to handle this uh, with the upcoming Asian Games, which is uh, a couple of months later on in Hangzhou. Now it—they haven't officially announced this, but I've been—I've heard from multiple sources now that the uh, the Chengdu Games is going to be postponed again to 2023. Now it's partly because of the pandemic, um, and just a, I think a lot of the teams. Australia already pulled out several weeks ago. A lot of the teams are not really happy about doing the whole bubble thing. It's obviously massively. Labor-intensive for China to do it. They proved that they could do it with the Olympics, but you know, with uh, Omicron kind of spreading around the country, it's just going to be that much harder. Um, And I think you know, we talked about this before, but what's the point in having this big sporting event that no one can attend? Like, you take all the fun out of it. So that's another reason. There is one other reason, though, and which is the 2023 games was going to be in Russia. They've just stripped uh, Russia of the hosting rights for that because of the Ukraine situation. And so if you're looking at the calendar, you're sort of thinking like FISU, which is the FISU, which is the, the world governing body for university sport... They're thinking, well, if we kind of spread out the next edition, we've got this gap coming up for next year. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if Chengdu gets postponed. So it's a biennial thing. It's every two years. Yes. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and they have okay. Winter Games as well. Right. Um, now, <laughs> kind of interestingly, I posted this because I'd heard from from a few sources that this was going to happen and they were just kind of figuring out the, the the final details and how to announce it. I've had a lot of people add me on Twitter this week. uh, And a lot of them seem to be students in Chengdu. I think uh, my sense is that a lot of them are volunteering. Right. Uh, Many of them are sort of saying like, is this really happening? You know, where's the source for this? We don't hear any official news. Some people calling me out saying like, this is bullshit. (laughs) This is fake news. But you know, it does sound unfortunately, we'd love it to happen. But it does sound like um, it is going to be postponed. They still haven't uh, uh, announced it yet as of the time of this recording.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I guess my instinct is like, as you said, like, what is the point? International athletes are probably wary about about coming here at this yeah, point. I mean, yeah. I think especially with everything that happened in Shanghai and but all those horror stories that, that that people were were
2: telling overseas in terms of you know potentially being locked up in a Chinese hospital for weeks and weeks and weeks. You know that's those would all resurface again. And then just you know from the athletes again spectators from from the Chinese yeah. perspective from from this perspective it's such a waste not to be able to enjoy that. But I did see an article from Chloe Kim, snowboarder, and she was just sort of saying, look, she had a great time in Beijing and, mm-hmm. and she managed to retain her gold medal, which is an incredible performance. But she did sort of say, you know, I was really lonely. I usually take my dog with me and my family and, I'm, you know, I was kind of by myself and it just sort of felt a bit like, you know, she did what she had to do. She got it done. She came back. She defended her her Olympic title, which is incredible. But it wasn't really... At uh, you know the the perfect moment that she dreamed of, um, presumably in the in the years building up to to Beijing twenty twenty two.
1: Let's move to our next story. Weightlifting, not a glamorous sport. Mark, do you weightlift? <laughs> <laughs> As you're having a sip of your beer, just
2: taking that moment to have a sip of beer, trying not to uh, to spit it out all over the studio here. Hope. But, okay, um, so I have lifted weights. Uh-huh. I would consider myself a reasonably active person, but I've always had a fairly. A uh, slender frame, I would uh-huh. say. Lanky, some might say. Um, not much of a, a bodybuilder. Not a clean uh, and jerk guy. But <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, I love the sports of weightlifting uh, because it's the Olympics. We love the
1: Olympics on this program. So, yes. Very important to China. Of the 38 gold medals that China won at the Tokyo Olympics, seven were in weightlifting. Yeah. So why is that going to be harder to do in Paris? Well, it's even more uh, impressive because... Uh, the maximum
2: number of competitors you're allowed for any nation in Tokyo is eight, even though there are 12 gold medals in weightlifting. China won seven golds and one silver medal. Uh, so, some, poor, I, yeah. some poor person failed to get the, the gold. But I remember reading comments saying, like, if you're against a Chinese athlete in your weight class, you're going for silver, basically. And, and that almost, you know, with one exception, that, that turned out to be the case. Unfortunately for the sport of weightlifting, they've had massive doping problems um, and they've been told by the IOC to clean up the act, um, the the International Weightlifting Federation, and uh, it hasn't really happened. So that, so they've been kind of cutting down on the number of, of categories. China, uh, there's two things to say here. China has some history here when it comes to doping in weightlifting. There were three women who won goals at the Beijing 2008 Olympics, but this is going back a bit and more recently. Uh, the Chinese have been very active in trying to to clean up the sport because they realize it's under threat. Their gold medal winning potential at the Olympics is under threat. So they have been at the forefront of trying to clean it up. But there's still a lot of countries doing a lot of doping <laughs> in yeah. weightlifting. Um, and so, yeah, so they're cutting down the number of athletes. I forget the stats, but going from from Rio to Tokyo to, uh, to Paris in 2024, I think it's less than half the number of, of total competitors that will be... Um, there will be there will be weightlifting there, and of course none in LA. I I think there, there probably is one caveat here. Um, that that 2028 for for Los Angeles is a little bit far out, and so there, there's quite often um, a a final right of appeal. So they'll be doing everything they can to at least try to get some of the the weight di- divisions um still in there. Um, as other sports want, you know, there's only so many slots, and so there, there is a a little bit of shuffling the decks in the in the years ahead. But yeah. Weightlifting on the way out, and that is basically bad news for China because it's so successful. Speaking of somebody who
1: is very successful, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about our old van- friend Eileen Gu. <laughs> uh, Mark, are you kicking yourself? You had a chance to see her at Home Plate, well, right went- around the corner from where you are, and you know, you didn't. And now it's gone.
2: My colleague went down and you know and, and had a little <laughs> chat with her, and said, said she's very pleasant. No, I wanted to let her eat her. You know, American Barbecue and Peace before she went back to America, which is where she is now. She was just at the Met Gala. Um, oh, was she at the Met Gala? Yeah, I yeah, know yeah. Oh, then wow. she was kind of doing some of the talk shows as huh. well. So she's, um, she's definitely kind of getting the post-Olympic, uh, you know, news round that she wasn't able to do because she stayed, you know, back in the US right. because she
1: stayed in China for, uh, well... Up up until now. So I was reading Sub China, and according to a piece by Sub China's Greg James, some people are not happy about her goodbye message or the fact that she flew back on a private plane. Did you read this story? Yeah, I did. Um, boy, does Ailingu
2: ever divide opinion? <laughs> I mean, it is I i'm laughing.
1: it's it's it funny. Is incredible. Yeah. And
2: and I I do kind of get it. Like, like there's there's part of me that thinks. Look, she's an incredible athlete. We've talked about this before. And it doesn't really matter, you know, what she does and what she does. Like, she she delivers. She's such a clutch athlete. Um, there's a lot of positives there, I think. But at the same time, she really rubs some people up the wrong way. Just the the whole kind of, oh, I'm so Chinese. And people are like, yeah, you're clearly not. Um, there was one comment that I noticed. Um, w- she was on one of the, the US TV networks being interviewed just after the Met Gala. And... One of the lines that she said was, "You know, I I, I just uh, want to just inspire Chinese girls to get into sport." And I looked around; there wasn't really anyone. So, you know, here I am, basically. And I spoke Ooh. to, you know, I spoke to a few <laughs> Chinese friends. They were like, "What?" They're like, "We don't have female um, role models here." This is, I mean, it's like ridiculous. It's like going back in history, you know, people are like you know Hua Mulan and, 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 and you know oh, historical Lee. figures well not you, Lina, Lina, you know Zha. I mean there's like know, yeah like, like Yang Yang the the IOC vice president sure. and, and you know senior Chinese official and, and former uh, Olympic champion so it's like yes okay within the sport of freestyle skiing right. there are no um you know former Olympic champions but it's a new sport so she's right to an extent but that definitely triggered a lot of people here that I've spoken to, as much as the fact that she does have a huge following. You know, it, you know, it's it's um she's just a polarizing figure, I think, on both sides as well. I've spoken to some American friends and they're still just pissed that she, you know, she's a traitor and she she was trained and developed by the US system and now she's, you know, earning medals for the communists and all that uh. sort of stuff. So it's um uh. I I I I get these viewpoints. Um it's but wow, well, there's um <laughs>
1: <That's> <laughs> she, she, she,
2: people like to talk about uh, Eileen Gu.
1: yeah let me read a little bit from the piece yeah uh, on sub china because i thought this was in- interesting um here's what uh greg james wrote many people took aim at the tone of gu's farewell message saying that she sounded like a foreigner purposefully maintaining an emotional distance from chinese people others pointed to the wording as evidence and questioned why gu didn't refer to china as her motherland and that's in quotes like other Chinese athletes it's obvious that China is just a travel destination to her a Weibo user wrote in Chinese um, and then Gu continued to post on Douyin uh, which is TikTok basically uh, a video of her mom jogging in what looked like uh, a private jet
2: I think look, it's hard to you know you say well she said the wrong word I was having this conversation it was like, what she's supposed to write but it did there was an element where she was like thanks China for the last few months, like. Hey, I'm just a visitor here and I love you guys and I and I embrace all the culture. But it did definitely come across. You could argue that sure. it's like, well, hey, I'm just going back home now. Mm. Home, I not China. Right. Um, and you know, and and that's something when she says, Well, she's competing for, for Team China, um, that's obviously gonna rub some people the wrong way. I think that the the thing was clearly a private jet, you know, she's probably thinking like, well, it's pretty cool. Like, and it is pretty cool. If you're eighteen, you've flying around in a private jet, that is you know, objectively cool, but I think a lot of people are like, you're just showing off now. <laughs> you know, you're just in it for the money and for the Gucci and for the Met Gala and, you know, uh-huh. but a lot of people love it. And she's like, basically, you know, f*** it, like, there's going to be haters. Too bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think, to be honest, is pretty much the only attitude you can have. I'm glad we got to talk to uh, talk about Eileen again. I will say one thing. It, it just kind of pops into my head. Chloe Kim, um, I remember reading you know, I mentioned her before, but she, she said that she had faced a lot of, you know, racist abuse online and you try to block it out, but she's kind of like, you know, she's in her bedroom. She's like, like, who are these people? Why do they need to say this shit? And so, you know, like you can have, you can, you can sort of say, well, you know, Eileen Goos, this or that, but the, the, the stuff that is clearly across the line, you know, that's just like that, that's, that's, you know, it's, it's disgraceful. It really is. And, 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 oh, sure. you know, let's make it clear, like. You can criticize her for, for things she does and she should have there should be consequences to things she doesn't says, but you know, like, like um the the vitriol that unfortunately is all over social media. The the people specifically, you know, like there'll be Asian females in particular, uh, who'll be receiving this. Like it's 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 horrific. gross. And you
1: know, we all you know, we would always sort of speak against that. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Cameron Dicker was a student at Shanghai American School just about ten years ago. Now he's about to suit up for the L.A. Rams of the National Football League. And he joins us from Dallas, where he's getting in some training during the offseason. All right, Cameron, thanks so much for joining us on the China Sports Insider podcast. Uh, Really happy to have you on. First of all, I thought I'd just start with just asking you about a little bit of of your story. Like, how did your family get to Shanghai in the first place?
3: Yeah, my parents went and studied, I think, at the University of Hong Kong. I don't know why, but they went and studied Chinese there for a year. And then my dad's job uh, in supply chain management brought him over to Shanghai. And then I was born in Hong Kong and then we lived in Shanghai for a couple of years and lived in Taiwan for like two years where my sister was born and then back in Shanghai.
2: Nice. So then you moved kind of back. Well, not to, for you, for your parents, back to the U.S. when you were how old? I was eleven okay so what what do you remember from your from your Chinese experience
3: um it was fun I mean growing up around it was a lot of Europeans where I was living in Shanghai and so it was fun to kind of grow up around them and uh, see a different side of life, not just like the American life where you're just living here um in the u s and I mean it definitely helped me be more open to other cultures. And so it was, it was cool to kind of grow up that way.
2: Now, presumably, um, it was Shanghai that you first picked up a football, right? Like, what do you what do you remember about, you know, learning the, the first steps in the game in China?
3: I honestly hated it. Um, <laughs> it was... I played O-line when I was there, and it was, like, the worst experience ever. I uh O-line is not my position, so fifth grade. And, I mean, it's not as much fun when it's only – I mean, it was still fun because we had probably 24 total guys on the team. And so um it was a mix of, like, everybody we knew and all the dads were kind of coaching, and we practiced, like, twice a week, and then we'd just go out and play against each other, and it'd be the same teams every week. So – it was like fun, but also kind of miserable. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's so interesting. I mean, um, I'd I'd love for you to kind of come back here and 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 just sort of see how you know it, it's obviously still not like a mainstream sport like like it is in the US, but I think yeah. that the growth that we've seen since the time that that you kind of had your your early start in the game here um, has been pretty amazing. So it'd be you know, there's 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 flag football leagues and and there's a lot of local players as well and and so on so 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 then when you got to to the states uh were were you like how did you how did you become a kicker like um did you did you you feel that you'd sort of been you were starting late in the game or or it was you know still young enough that didn't really make a difference
3: I think I was young enough didn't make a difference but I always grew up playing soccer that's like been the sport I've loved my whole life that's like my number one sport growing up and everything and so grew up playing and China on a team axis and so um it was it's one where I played that when I moved to the US in 6th grade I didn't play football for a year then 7th grade you're in Texas and everybody plays football so I was like well looks like I'm doing this yeah. <laughs> and um again they put me at o line and I hated that <laughs> and so they like halfway through the season i was like hey i can like kick a ball can i try that and so i started kicking and then i really enjoyed that and i told them that hey i'm kind of gonna i think i'm gonna quit unless i can just kick and then they allowed me to just kick so it worked out why did everyone keep putting you in o-line i wasn't like a massive kid but i was like bigger than other people Mm. and i guess more aggressive than other people and so it worked out that I was like not bad at it. I just like really disliked it. It was not for me.
2: So yeah, take us through the the next two years through, through, through high school and college and, and, and kind of now where you are, you know, on an NFL roster.
3: Yeah. So soccer was my main sport still probably till my junior year of high school. So 11th grade. Um, that's when I started getting interest from college for football. And I was like, Oh, well, this could be uh, something I can do. And so, Up until that point, I was always like, let's play soccer. Let's play soccer. Let's play soccer. I'll play football for fun. And so freshman year of high school, I was on the freshman team. Then sophomore year, I beat out all the seniors for varsity and had a good year. Junior year, had a good year. And then end of junior year, I got the offer from UT. And so a full scholarship, something you can't really turn down. um, And so I was excited to go there. And then had senior year, still played soccer and played club soccer. Went to state champion or went to state championship with the high school team playing soccer. Ended up going to UT and having a good career. And then this last year was able to punt and kick, which has helped me kind of throughout this. And then now at the Rams, you get a opportunity to go to the Rams and go compete for both spots. And I don't know, just go enjoy it the time I have. All right, I I have
1: seen that University of Texas stadium and it's 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 mm-hmm. a long way away in so many ways from Shanghai. It's huge and the fans are insane. What, that first time yeah. that you had to kick in a in a game. What,
3: what what was that like for you? Um, it was exciting. I my first my very first game actually was against Maryland at the University of Wa- not a university. Of Wa- it was at the Washington Commanders now stadium mm-hmm. and on the very first kickoff, I made the tackle. So I was the leading tackler for the University of Texas at one point in my career. All that all that um, O-line
2: experience.
3: All that O-line <laughs> experience yeah. paid off. And so that was kind of fun to be able to do. And then I never actually got to kick a field goal till our third game, which was our first home game. And I had three field goals that day against USC. And we ended up winning by like six points or something. It was a close game. And so it was a lot of fun. I was lucky enough to have a shorter kind of field goal to start. So it was kind of like easing me into it. And then I, I just think after like the first kind of kick goes out of you, everything's kind of gone away. Cause you're like, all right, this is just like everything else. Like there's nothing to worry about. Um, and so kind of like once you're out there, everything kind of drops, but definitely at first, like going out there, I was like, Oh, this is gonna be interesting. Like, this is kind of weird because that game against USC, I think, was like 108,000 people.
2: For, for for most people, like just just playing at that level would be the pinnacle, right? And and but I you know I think, I mean you you you, could, you would obviously know better, better than us, but but like a lot of people playing college, they they they're going to have dreams, whether they're realistic or not, of of going pro. But of course, it's it's still a small percentage. At what point in your college career? Did you start to think, you know what, I, I got a shot here? At what point did people start to tell you, Cameron, you know what, you should you should go into the draft like like you got a chance of of making the NFL?
3: I think going into June junior year and senior year, that's kind of the goal uh, for most of the guys in college. That's the goal of being able to play in the NFL and I don't know, just being able to live that dream a little bit, and so. Going into junior year, it's a year where you're like, okay, we got to step up a little bit. And then obviously senior year, you're like, cool, this is like the year. Let's do this. And so you have – everybody kind of knows what's happening. And so you want to put your best foot forward. And then senior year ended up being a really good year for me. I had the chance to come back for one more COVID for COVID year if I wanted to for a fifth year. Um, but I just thought it was the right time for me to kind of move on and test the waters and this next stage of life cameron you hear a lot of stories of, in the
1: draft process of like you know these crazy questions that that people ask mm-hmm. uh, all these athletes did 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 china ever come up for you like did you ever talk about that or
3: yeah i mean some people um with like mainly scouts whenever they're first starting getting some research in and everything about all the players uh it always gets like brought up oh where are you from like where'd you grow up blah, blah, blah. and every time that gets brought up they kind of like instead of just looking down at their paper writing stuff down they look up for a second they're like what <laughs> and so it always gets brought up and then it's either for some people it's like a quick like okay like explain that to me a little bit and then others it's like they ask a lot of questions
1: <laughs> like us yeah (laughs) Yeah. like what what kind of questions come up
3: was just kind of like oh how'd you like that what do you think was good about living in china and then all that
2: kind of stuff maybe i'm i'm kind of speculating here but uh, like it definitely does give you like you said growing up with with europeans with chinese like an international outlook it does make you a more well-rounded person in some respects and you know and and the mental side of just just of who you are as a player like it's it's equally as important for, for a lot of teams, I think, these days than, than the physical side. So in, in that sense, do you think your background, your upbringing has kind of helped you? You know, how much has it helped you? Like, what kind of part of that have, has, has brought you to where you are today?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on it with, like, being surrounded by cultures that, for me, that was like my culture growing up. Um, being back in the U.S., it's not the same cultures here. And so... Being surrounded by that stuff kind of made it easier. Like my move to the U.S. was a lot harder than my transition to college. And then I'm thinking that my transition will be to another city in the United States to play football. And so it kind of made the ease of moving easier because it's not as hard to adapt to something new. And then I traveled a lot living in China because my mom uh, had a travel has a travel company, Rachel Dicker Travel. And so she does luxury travel agency right now and for a while she was specializing in China while we were living there. I think she still does, but um, it was just we traveled a lot with her, and then with soccer we would travel around, and so it kind of just gave me the outlook on new things in life and being able to see, I mean, pretty much all around Asia and being able to enjoy kind of like the differences of every place, and so it just kind of opened my eyes and allowed me to kind of take things in more so than trying to change them yeah Fa- favorite non-shanghai destination in china yangshuo was pretty cool oh, yeah
2: okay nice so uh, i want to ask like just over the last few weeks you've obviously had a pretty wild time like um i guess you know historically kickers don't often get drafted and so you were kind of like like were you expecting to get drafted were you kind of thinking oh, well if i don't get drafted i could still get picked up as a free agent like what were your expectations what what were the kind of the roller coaster emotions that you've had over the last few weeks
3: you as a specialist don't really expect to get drafted. You kind of hope you do. And if it happens, awesome. If it doesn't, then you're kind of like, cool. This is usually what happens. And so, uh, just kind of using that as fuel to push yourself more, I guess. And so, I mean, it's tough not to be, but at the same time it gives you kind of a little edge to use whenever some days you don't want to. And then, um, I mean it's just been a lot going on recently obviously and so just from training uh flying around to train with other coaches having people come in for workouts yeah just a lot going on you're you're in Dallas right now uh
1: you said with your kicking coach yeah. like so take us through that like what yeah. do, what do you like how, what do you do on a daily basis to get ready f- during the off season
3: yeah right now so I'm about to I have this and then I we go to kick at 10:30 I'll probably come back to the hotel i'm staying at and do a workout and then drive back to austin um because i've been here since tuesday and so i did i kicked tuesday took off wednesday or i punted a little bit wednesday with the punting coach here then on thursday today gonna do a little bit more kicking and then gonna take off tomorrow and just work out so it's just kind of like Kicking and working out almost every other day, and uh, it's like three to four times a week you kick and work out. I mean, kick and then working out probably five times a week. So when you talk about your kicking coaches, like
2: is this are these people that you've known and worked with for several years? Is this someone like the Rams have kind of said, "Hey, we're gonna fly this dude in. Like he's gonna take you to the next level." Like, like how's it all? Or are we still in preseason? It's all on you. And it, and until you kind of report to camp, you're kind of outside the the remit. Like what what's going on?
3: Yeah. This is more me. Um, I've been working with this group one-on-one kicking for seven years, 67 years now. And so, uh, Brian Egan moved here when I was in high school and he has kind of just allowed and helped me kind of just, I don't know, shape everything kicking wise. And, um, he's been kind of like a helpful person in my corner, just If I have any questions for anything. And so he's been the guy I've trained with mainly for the last six years. And then throughout the process, there's the big name, Jamie Cole, um, with Cole's kicking. And he has some things where he brings in all the top guys and we all go and train together. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Kevin, we have not even said congratulations yet for signing with the Rams which is it's an <laughs> amazing you. thing. Thank that's you. so that's so cool. Uh, what, what thank you. What what are your expectations for your your rookie year?
3: I mean, I'm excited to just go compete for the jobs. The goal is obviously to go win a starting job, but you go in competing and I think just I just want to enjoy it cuz you never know how long anything really lasts in life and so just go in there to enjoy everything I can um enjoy the little moments there and just I don't know have fun with it because that's really all you can do and so just have fun with what I'm doing and 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 you're in LA (laughs) not bad (laughs) this is amazing yeah not not a bad spot
2: yeah pretty nice stadium there I hear um so, so excuse my ignorance but like do, do most uh, kickers, punters kind of double as one or the other? Like, you, you sound like you're going for one or other or kind of both jobs.
3: In NFL, no. If you usually do one or the other. Right now, I'd say I have a strong skill set at both. And so there's very big upside in both. And so it's kind of just going to be dependent on... How I'm doing, I guess is gonna be where what I end up doing um, i'm I'm not too sure yeah there
1: a few months ago we had on uh, NFL China's Stephanie Shao, and we talked about a lot of different things about how you know the NFL outreach in China and uh, how Tom Brady had a a Chinese language you know, series, you know, just to to reach out to Chinese fans. Is that that on your mind at all right now? I know you're so busy doing a lot of other things. Yeah, I
3: mean, I've thought about it before and it'd be fun to do like one year over an off season to go to like a kicking camp in China or something. And uh, I don't know, just go have fun doing that and kind of like spreading this sport there more so. So it's definitely something I've thought of, but it's, something i can't put into play for a little bit
2: (laughs) now there's something i don't know if you you've you've heard about this maybe the team has told you but uh about a year or so ago the nfl kind of divided up the teams with their kind of international uh fan bases and sort of said well you guys support this team and you guys support this team and the rams were assigned china so basically if you're a kind of a neutral NFL fan in China you kind of like been given the Rams. <laughs> it sounds like this is news Interesting. to you. We're all we're all Rams fans here. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah,
2: so it's uh, it's That's pretty. Cool. Um, we'll we'll certainly kind of keep you posted as to uh, as to kind of the level of interest in in you as as you progress in your rookie year. But um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, it, it makes sense, right? It's uh, it's obviously one of the closer teams being on <laughs> uh, on the, yeah, on the a, Pacific yeah. side
1: as well. Well, let, well, let's wrap it up there, Cameron. We're going to be watching. We're going to be cheering for you. And uh, good luck this year with the Rams.
3: Awesome. Thank you, guys. All All right. Right. Well, thanks so thanks much. Good
1: luck. Thanks to Cameron Dicker. He joined us from Dallas. And thanks for listening. We're going to be back next week with more news and analysis and a far-ranging interview with the UFC's Zhang Ting. See you then.